Um, so, so really, to kind of kill two birds with one stone, before we jump into the text, I actually want to share a couple stories. I want to give um, a quick update of, of some things that God's doing up in Queens, um, but also kind of tie it in with some amazing opportunities um, that, that you all have as, as a church family to, to jump in some short-term mission opportunities this, this summer. So there's, there's some cards, I think, in the back. That they're probably strewn all over the place. Um, there's a couple different options. Engage Global in June, International Project in, in July. Um, so, so you can talk to some people about that. Um, but I just want to share some how God has actually used short-term missions um, in our life and some of the things that we're seeing right now. So um, one quick story is there's a, there a church that was in State College. It's in State College, Pennsylvania. They sent a team up to, to come up to what we call Seed Weeks. That's one of the short-term mission opportunities in, in July in Queens. Um, so we, we do these Seed Weeks. We just lay a foundation of prayer, teach real simple gospel sharing tools, and then get out on the streets and do it. Just, just pray for people and share the gospel with people. Um, so it's kind of a week of doing, doing that together. So Last, last summer, last June, um, this, this church sends this team up, and, and there's training. They're, they're out there. Well, this guy, this, uh, these two guys are going two by two, and this guy is a real short, little white dude, and he's walking down the streets, and he's just praying, like, God, who, would, who do you have for me to, to share the gospel with? And he's walking. And um, meanwhile, as he's walking down the sidewalk, there's this other guy. He's a pretty big dude. Um, he walks out on a, a smoke break from, from his work. So he's standing here smoking, and he's, he's sitting here kind of minding his own business. And here comes this, this little dude, and he says, hey, excuse me, sir. And he turns around. I wish you knew these people and kind of saw their faces. He turns around and goes, what? What do you want? And the guy was like, just step back. But he's all right, I got to step in faith. Like, I'm actually praying in the neighborhood. Can I bless you with prayer? So the guy actually, this big, hardened man, like, had a soft heart. Like, God was already doing something. And this guy had no idea how God was already pursuing this man. And he's sitting there on a, on a smoke break. God's timing, perfect. And, and he's, he's sitting there and he goes, yeah, you can pray for me. And he prays for him and then he shares the gospel. And this guy is just so, he's taking it all in. He's listening and he's saying, I, I, I want to get together again. So they get together again and just continued process. Meanwhile, in July, my family moves up there. I get to come alongside this guy and kind of walk alongside and see him. He comes to faith. And then he gets baptized in the ocean like two weeks later. And then a week later, he's jumping in church and he's, he's helping to start a brand new house church that there's already a leader in place and he's kind of coming alongside. And right now, today, he's an integral part of this house church in, in Queens. And he's a disciple-making disciple. He's out there sharing his faith and loving Jesus and loving people. And it's just amazing what God's doing. And that started with, with a seed week, with, with a short-term mission trip, just somebody being faithful and going. One more quick story, and then we'll, we'll jump into the text. This was something our, our church um, has, been, has been praying. Uh, about three weeks ago, we, were, we did a, a week-long fast. We were fasting and praying, and one of the specific things that we were praying for was, Lord, will you bring a cultural insider? Because there's, there's so much diversity in Jackson Heights where we live. There's, there's unreached people groups all around us. That, that are represented. So we're praying, God, a, a Bengali cultural insider, an Indian cultural insider, a Pakistani, a Tibetan, you know, just bring, bring people from all these different places so that there's not these barriers so they can bring the gospel to their people here and abroad. That was our, that was our prayer. We bring those people into our lives so we can kind of come alongside them. We had no idea that God already answered that prayer years ago. So there's a man in India, and he's wrestling with his, his, his faith, what, what he believes. So he's wrestling, and somehow, long story short, he comes, to, he comes to faith in Christ. 
So, so God's pursuing him. He comes to faith, but he doesn't know what to do. He's all by himself and his family, no other believers that, that he knows. So he's, I, I don't know what to do. How, how do I continue my, my faith journey? So he goes, of course, the natural thing you do is he jumps on Instagram. I don't know why he did this, but God even can use Instagram. He jumps on Instagram to look for Bible studies. How can I, how can I study the Bible? Well, he finds this dude in South Africa. So he's in India. He finds a man in South Africa that posts some, some Bible study things, little short things on, on Instagram. So he actually connects with him and says, hey, can you, can, can you help me in my journey? So this guy from South Africa is, is discipling this, this guy from India. The guy from India then tells him just recently, a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago, he tells him, I'm actually um, moving to this place called Queens, New York. Do you know anybody? And the South African guy, through a Seed Week connection, he says, I know one person in, in Queens. His name's Noy Castillo. And that's the person, that, the family that we're partnering with up there. And he says, I know one person. I'll connect you with him. So we get connected. This dude is already, he's already sharing his faith in, in, in multiple languages. He's sharing it in, in Hindi and, and just telling people there's no language barriers. There's no culture barriers. There's, this is a cultural insider that we've been praying and fasting for a few weeks ago that God was already at the works of bringing him right, right to Queens. So just how he's answering prayers. So it's just amazing the things that, that God is doing. So, so just a couple quick, quick questions. I would, I would just encourage you to ask yourself, um, you, see these, you see these around, I'm, I'm sure you, you hear it. Maybe sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. It's kind of just part of, part of some of the announcements that, that you hear. I would encourage you, pick one of these up and, and ask yourself, why not? And maybe you have a reason, but really just sit down and ask yourself, why not? Why wouldn't I go on one of these? What's, what's in my way? And then I just want to encourage you, talk to somebody. Even if you're not going, talk to somebody who's been. Ask them, what did God do to you? What did God do in your heart when, when you were on this, this missions trip? Um, and I would just encourage you, don't miss. Don't miss what God might have for you in something like this. Our family is forever changed. Now, now God's been doing something through many of you, through the preaching that we heard here every Sunday. God was stirring something, but God really used a short-term missions trip to do something. With Ben and Jay, another couple that's being sent out of this church to go speak the name of Jesus to people who may have never heard him. Like what an amazing thing. God did a stirring at the, at the, at the Engage Global trip. You, you saw physical change in, in, in how they were. So I would just encourage you, um, don't miss what God might have for you in, 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 one, of these, in one of these opportunities. Um, now let's get into the word. 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be reading uh, verses 17 through 21. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21. Here's what God's Word says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, Father, thank You. Thank You for reconciliation. Thank You for Jesus. And that we can, in Christ, be identified in Him. Thank You for these truths. Holy Spirit, will You teach us exactly what what we're supposed to learn from Your Word this morning and help us to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Papilio Crespontes. That's not me saying hello in another language uh, that we learned up in Queens. I'm not that smart. I don't pick up languages easily. Papilio Crespontes. That's actually a scientific term for a specific type of caterpillar. It's more naturally known as the bird poop caterpillar. This thing's nasty looking. I don't know if we have a picture. Yeah, look at that. It looks like bird poop. This is one of those caterpillars. I have five kids. If we're going on a nature walk, they love to pick up bugs and animals and things. If they saw this, they'd be like, oh, I ain't touching that. That's, it looks like, legitimately like, looks like bird poop. It's a nasty, ugly thing. But something happens with this caterpillar that one day it hangs from a leaf or a stem. It hangs upside down. And, and it forms a chrysalis around it. And then within that, and I think this is beautiful, I really believe that God uses things in nature. Think God uses the natural to, to really show a bigger picture, right? So, so th- something happens in that. The caterpillar actually essentially dies. Only a couple cells, so it essentially is dead. It's, if you cut that thing open, it would be caterpillar soup. And that's gross, right? So, so it's, it's essentially dead, but then it starts to rebuild and reform within this cocoon. And then eventually the cocoon opens up in this amazing, beautiful butterfly. This is actually a giant swallowtail butterfly that that exact caterpillar turns into this butterfly. I did the research. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same exact DNA, but something changed. Its identity, its whole identity is different. It's changed. It's made, it's new. It's a new creature. Identity is kind of a funny thing, right? When you think of identity, identity kind of goes up and down. It changes as, a, as our life goes on. Uh, maybe certain things we identify um, that, that identify us as, when we're younger, maybe those don't identify us as much anymore. You know, I, I know ever since I've known Jay Russ, man, he's had that beard I've only ever tried to just be like him in this, in this area. And that thing's manly. Like, the dude is known for his beard. Like, when you say, oh, I still have people in Queens, because he's, he's, he's met some of these people. They say, oh, I talk about Jason, and they're like, oh, the, the one with the beard? Yeah, that, that guy. So th- that's his identity. That's something that, that connects to, um, him to, to people. Um, for some reason, I have no idea why, why this happened um, I, or where it started, but I'm, I've been known as the guy who loves bacon. Like, bacon has just been like, oh, Jesse, he's a bacon guy. I go to, I, hanging out with the friends or ordering pizza. Like, oh, Jesse's here. we got to order a bacon pizza. And I'm not mad about it. Nobody else is because bacon's amazing and it tastes, tastes delicious. Um, but it's, it's always, there's something that somehow got attached, attached to me. Identity can be based on our circumstances. It changes, all, it changes all the time. Identity can be really, I mean, in, in today's day and age, there's some controversial stuff with, with identity. So identity is just all over the place. But... Let's look at a place where Paul actually talks about our identity and it, it doesn't change. Our identity is secure 
And it never changes. And that's what we see in 2 Corinthians here. Our identity is, 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 is something that never changes. So, so this is what I really want. If you miss anything else, if you miss everything else, just really get this. Our identity drives our actions. So something that you hold to as an identity, that's kind of your foundation. That's going to drive everything else. What you identify in is going to drive your actions in so many areas of life. So our identity drives our actions. It's, it's who we are. And it drives what we do. So look at verse 17. What is our identity? Verse 17 makes it very clear. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But there's a, there's a qualification. We need to get to it real quick. You're a new creation if you're in Christ. So Paul says if you're in Christ, you're new. What does that mean? He, he goes on to explain it. The old has passed away. The new has come. You're a, you're a new person. You're a new creation. But you have to be in Christ to be a new creation. And that, that's key. So what, is in, what does in Christ mean? That means, it's really, to oversimplify it, is, is Jesus king of your life? Has there been a time where you've understood, man, I'm a wreck. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I have zero hope. No peace. No hope. I need a Savior. And you realize, I can't save myself, but Jesus, what He did for me on my behalf, I'm putting all of my trust in Him, I'm putting all of my faith in Him, and I'm desiring to follow Him. To the best of my ability, I'm following Him as my King. If that's been you, if you've ever done that, you are in Christ, and you're a new creation. You've been made new. And just kind of as, as, as a side, this is something, it's, 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 it's convicting me, so I need to say it. If your life looks the same after Christ as it does before Christ, man, there's a problem. Something's wrong. Something's messed up. That, sh- that, is, that sh- cannot be the case. If you're truly in Christ, you really are made new, which, which really um, drives our actions. Our identity drives our actions. But if we, if we stop putting our identity in other things, ultimately, as this is what we, we do that. If we do it in our own power, there's so much that we do. We just, in life, I just want to be known as this. I want people to see me this way. I want to identify as this so people think I'm this. So, so fill in the blank. If we, if we put all of our strength, it's exhausting to, to, to identify as something so people look at us in, in a certain way. But if our identity, if we realize that our identity in, in Christ, and we realize we are a new creation, there's something that happens that's beautiful. Our identity stops becoming about us. We think we can make it. We think we can have this status and we can do this. Our identity stops becoming about us and it starts becoming about who He is and who we are in Him. It's all about Jesus. So my identity in Christ, my identity is not my job. My identity is not my status. My identity is not my family. How many kids I have. How many kids I don't have. Whether I'm single or I'm married. My identity is not my body image. My identity is not the clothes that I wear. It's not the stuff that I own. It's not my failures. It's not my sins. If I'm in Christ, my identity is Him. It is ultimately in Jesus. You are not your circumstances. You are not your health or your health problems. You are not your successes. You are not your failures. You are not your education or your lack of education. You are not your social status. You 
are, and I am a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Like, let that sink in. We're children of God. That our identity doesn't matter outside of that. Our identity ultimately is in Jesus. If we are in Christ, we are a son or a daughter of the Most High King of the Creator God who loves us. So these are truths. These are good, solid truths right out of the Word. But what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, Paul actually doesn't go into much detail here. He says, you're a new creation. Well, what it looks like is the old has passed away and the new has come. And then he kind of he moves on. But he does, he does somewhere else. This is one of my favorite uh, chapters in the whole Bible. It's Romans 8. And we're just going to go there. And I'm just going to read through a portion of Romans chapter 8. And we're just going to look at this. Is he, he, he does just this, this beautiful contrast of life in the spirit and life in the flesh. So if you're in Christ, you're, 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 this is what your life really should look like. So, so, so let's, let's read this together. It's Romans 8. I'm going to start in verse 5. This is, this is the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active. It's powerful, right? So this is, this is Paul speaking in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. I'm reading that verse again because it's so good. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. There's a lot, a lot of truth packed in those few verses. So just a few things to, to, to pull out. What is Romans 8 saying? What is Paul saying here when we identify in, in Christ, in their new creation? What should that look like? Here's what he says. We have a renewed mind. That's what it should look like. We have a renewed mind. We have life and peace. We have righteousness that comes from God, not ourselves. We have power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have that same spirit in us. We are sons and daughters. We are adopted into his family. We are children of God. We are heirs, fellow heirs with Jesus. 
Church, that's amazing. That is who we are. We are a new creation. But here's the question, and I know I feel this, so, so, I, so I think we all can feel this at times. What if I don't feel like it? Like, yeah, I know it's true. It's in, it's in God's Word. But what if I don't feel like it? What if I don't feel like a new creation? What if I just feel like a horrible sinner? What if I feel like I'm so caught up in the things of this world that this is really not what defines me? We, we all can feel that way at times. So this is just my encouragement because I mess up in this all the time. So I encourage you guys, don't be a Jesse in, in this. Don't look. So, so, so here's what I do sometimes. I beat myself up. Come on, Jesse. You know who you are. You're a new creation. Come on. Fix yourself. Do more. Get, read God's word more. Pray more. These aren't bad things. Go out and, and do more ministry. Go do something. Be, be active. That, those aren't bad things. But if we're doing that apart and outside of, of identifying in Christ through God, it's meaningless. It's pointless. Instead of looking inward, it's, it's good to be introspective. It's, it's good. So don't hear me saying, don't think about how, how you're living. It's good to be introspective. But Ultimately, we need to look up. We need to look to God. We need to look at His Word. What is the truth? What is the truth? And how do I sit in it? I am a child of the King. Let me bask in that for a little bit. Let me abide. John 15, abide in Him. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. So let's, let's get abiding. Let's, let's, let's get back to Him. Let's remember who we are. When we see God for who He is, it's so much easier for them to see us, ourselves, for who we truly are in Him. So when we see God for who He truly is, it's so much easier then for us to be self-reflective and to see who we truly are in Him. So that's, 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 who, that's our identity. We're new creation. And remember, our, our identity drives our actions. So we're new creation and we should be living like we're new, like we're, like we're new in Him. But another identity, we have have dual identities. Look at verse 20. We have another identity that Paul talks about. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And I just want to make make a note that being an ambassador, having this identity, this is just as much our identity as being a new creation. I think being a new creation, that's, that's easy. That's easy to swallow. I like that. Who doesn't like new? I want to be a new creation. That, that's easy to say, yeah, yeah, that's me. I can, I can totally relate to that, right? But the, the ambassador stuff, man, some, that person, they're really good at being an ambassador. Yeah, you, I'm going to encourage that person to be, to be an ambassador. We kind of act like this is, that's the optional side of our identity, Oh, I'm a new creation. Yes, yes, I, I'll, I'll hold on to that. I'll hold on tight to that. But being an ambassador, that's, that's, for, that's for the select. Or maybe that's for somebody else. No, that's not true. This is just as much our identity. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So he says, we are a new creation in Christ, and therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What, what an amazing role. Like, think about that. We know we don't, what ambassadors do. It's not a job that anybody takes lightly. It's a job that people take serious. 
right? If you're going to be an ambassador for, for a nation into another nation or ambassador for a government, like that's a serious job. You don't flippantly like, oh, I think I'm going to try to do that once. No, that's a real, people take that very seriously. Ambassadors is, is, is a serious role. So here's, here's what the um, Webster's Dictionary says about an ambassador. This is straight from the dictionary. A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. That's big, right? A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by the government to represent it on a temporary mission. Like, you're, you're the voice of a government. You're the voice of a nation as, as, their, as their ambassador. Here's what God says. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Or here's what the word says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We're the voice of our Father into a dark world. That's an amazing responsibility. That's an amazing role, right? We get to be God's voice into other people's lives. Like, try to wrap your head around that. That's hard to do. We get to be the voice of God into other people's lives. So I I, I rewrote the definition. I don't think Webster's Dictionary is going to pick it up, but I rewrote it anyway. This This is who we are as ambassadors for Christ. A disciple of Jesus filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, sent by God himself to represent him on a temporary mission. That's who we are. That's who we are. And we're not talking temporary into people's lives. We're talking eternal into people's lives. So that's our, that's, that's our role as an ambassador, or our, our identity as an ambassador. And that's, that's just the role. What about the message? Paul talks a lot about the message. He actually uses the word message of reconciliation. He uses that four different times in just these few verses. He uses a different form of reconciliation. He says, Christ reconciled us. Verse 18, we, we see it. Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19, um, that God was reconciling the world to, to himself. And he entrusted with us the message of reconciliation. And that we are, are called to um, implore people to be reconciled to God. So what is, what is that? What is the message of reconciliation? We actually have to back up. So he says, this is who we are. We're ambassadors with this message. Well, what is that message? Look at verse, verse uh, 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So he's talking about how Christ reconciled. So we are recipients of Christ's reconciliation. That is, so here's his definition. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So there's two parts to this. There's a restored. If we're reconciled, if we're in Christ, we've been restored. God doesn't look at us as sinners. He doesn't look at us as as the way that sometimes we may look at ourselves. He looks at us in the lens of Jesus and what he did for us. He says, you've been restored to me. This is, this is our loving Father, the creator of this universe. He loves you so much that he made a way for you to be reconciled to him. To be restored back to him. Like that's, that's how we can live. We're restored. But it's not only that. He's saying, I don't count their trespasses against them. He's saying, I'm, I'm restoring you. I'm looking at, at you as righteous. Because of Jesus, you didn't bring this to the table. You didn't do it yourself. Because of Jesus, I look at you as righteous. 
and I'm entrusting you. So he's restored us, but he's also entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Like, that's a, that's a jewel. Like, the message that we have, the message that you have as a follower of Jesus, this is the most beautiful thing in the world, right? This is not just speaking into, into lives now. This speaks into eternity. Yes, it speaks into lives now, but it also speaks into eternity. This is the most life-giving message that we could ever hold. And here's what God says. You're worthy. You are worthy to hold this message. You are worthy to share this message. When you don't feel worthy, you're worthy. Not because of you, because of Jesus. Because I've, I don't count your trespasses against you, and I trust you with this message. And you're my voice. Go speak. Go share it. That should, th- this should do two things to us. We should be amazed and in awe. Like, whoa. God's letting me do this? God wants me to do this for him? Like, I quite, are you sure? You want to use me? You want to use us? But it also should, there should be a, a, an amazed, a wow, but also a, a deep humility in this. Like, man, I know. I know I don't deserve this, but thank you, Jesus. That I don't only get to be reconciled, but I, I get to share that amazing message with other people. I get to tell people about Jesus and how they can be reconciled to the Father. This is a message of life and light. So here's the question. Who are we to keep this to ourselves? I'm going to go a little bit deeper. How dare we? Keep this to ourselves. When we know there are people in this world, there are people that we work next to, there are people that we see at the coffee shop, there's interactions that that we have with people on a regular basis and we know that they're living in darkness and they're living in death. And we have a message of light and, and we have a message of life. How dare we keep it to ourselves? We're an ambassador. Let's act like it. So I was, last Monday, I was, I was out with a friend and we were just, we were just, uh, walking around, we were praying and sharing, just talking to people about Jesus. And um, I, I talked to this one guy, he's, he's from India, so I sit down, I, I just said hi. I just smiled and, and said hi. And um, he just, oh, sit, 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 sit. He was so excited that I was talking to him. So, he sit, so I'm like, all right. So I sit down and he's like trying to share food with me. I didn't know what he was eating. And I'm just, so I'm just sitting there and try, trying to be nice. So I just tell him like, hey, um, I know this may be a little bit weird, but uh, we're just going through and we're just praying for people. We just want God to bless people, so I'd love to bless you with prayer. Like, how could I pray for you? I said all of that, and he's smiling and smiling and no response. He had no idea what I just said. There was a clear language barrier. I'm just talking, and it's, he's not understanding any of it. So I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, I was just about to say, like, oh, nice to meet you, and, 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 move. and his daughter comes over, speaks perfect, and she starts talking. And, and, uh, and I said, hey, could you, could you interpret this? For, for, for your dad? And she said, oh, sure. So I, I just start sharing the gospel. And I'm just going, going, through, the, going through the gospel, and he's, he's, she's sharing it with, with him, and he's, he's nodding along. And I get to, I'm, I'm, I write down the name Jesus. And as soon as I get to Jesus, she, she goes, she didn't interpret it to, to her dad. She stopped me, and she says, oh, no, we're, we're Hindu. We don't believe in Jesus. And, and I 
was like, oh, I, don't, I was just praying, like, okay, God, how do I, how do I continue this conversation? Like, what, give me the words to speak. And before I said anything, he looks, the dad, he points at the paper. He points at the name of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, Jesus. And she, so she looks at him and she starts talking. I have no idea what they're saying. They're going back and forth. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, Jesus. You know, <laughs> so, so they're talking and, and, and she, she goes, um, actually, my dad says he has heard about Jesus. Um, and he would like to learn more. Like, could you te- tell him more about Jesus? I was like, yes, absolutely. I could tell him more about Jesus. So, so we went through it and he said, so, so we set it up. We're going to do a Bible study. I don't speak Hindi. This guy speaks Hindi. I'm like, how are we going to do a Bible study? And then I remembered this man from India that God brought over to Queens just two weeks ago. He speaks Hindi and he's already going out and sharing. So, so we're hooking them up. This is happening right now, church. Like this is happening right now. They're, getting to, they're, they're planning on getting together and do a Bible study. So this man hears about Jesus. Oh, pray for this man. I don't know his real name. He, his daughter said, call him Harry. So pray for Harry, the, uh, the, the Indian Hindu, uh, to, to, come, to come to Christ. But here's, here's, here's what happened. This was, this was I think, the, the best part. We go on, and we're, sh- we're sharing with, with a couple other people. And about 10 minutes later, the 16-year-old daughter of his comes and taps me on the shoulder. She goes, excuse me, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. She said, my dad just really wanted to thank you for, for coming and talking to us um, this, this message, he, he said to tell you that this message has a lot of light. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it does. And then she, she goes, and this wasn't her dad, this was her. She goes, you know what? This, this message that you're sharing could really change somebody's life. <laughs> like, you have no idea. It changed mine and it can change your life. You have no idea, but that was coming from an unbeliever saying this message could really change somebody's life. That's the message, church, that we have it can change lives it does change lives it has changed lives and it will change lives that's the message of reconciliation so so what does this look like how can be we be real practical with with um identifying as an ambassador in in our role and in our message just be serious about it that's how we can be practical it's simple take your role seriously take this message seriously so i i um Recently, my wife and I watched the movie 1917. I don't know if you've heard, heard about it, but it's a beautiful cinematic. kind of makes it look like it's shot in one shot. I won't do any spoilers, but it's about World War I, and, and um, they're, they're deep. It's a few years into World War I, and these two soldiers are entrusted with this message to go carry to another section of the army. They need to carry it to a leader of the army that he's about. The next day, he's going to send his troops into battle, and it's, it's not going to look good. They know there's some intel that if he goes, they're all dead, like if he sends them out. So these guys are entrusted with this message, and they go the whole movie as these guys just going through the battlefield, going through enemy territory, and, and just taking this job so seriously, they're willing to die. And there's an urgency to this message. we got to get there before daybreak. We have to get this message into his hands, and we have to let him know that if he sends these troops out, there's going to be 1,600 men dead on the battlefield. We have to get this to him. There's a seriousness and there's an urgency about it. And that's a message that doesn't even scratch the surface to what we have. We have the gospel, the good news. That's something that we need to take seriously. That there needs to be an urgency. So what does that look like? What does that look like in your life right now, today, in your context? What can it look like for, for you to really live 
like your identity as an ambassador. So some of us, and I, I, I do this, well, we, we have these, these things. Man, well, who am I to be an ambassador? Like, that's a huge role. Like, who, who, who am I to do that? Or some of us say, man, I can't do that. I'm too, I'm too messed up myself. Nobody's going to listen to me. Man, I've sinned too, too much. I have, a, I have a horrible past. Or maybe some of us say, I've never done it before. Why start now? I can't start now. It's too late for me. Leave, let somebody else do it. Sometimes you say, man, that's just not me. That's, that's just not who I am. The Bible begs to differ. This is you. This is you. This is your identity. This is my identity. We are ambassadors. This is the message um, that, we, that we need to be, that we are given, and that we need to be sharing with other people. So our, our identity drives our action. So what does it look like for you to sit in your identity and for that to actually take action? What does that look like? Think about your week next, next week. What does it look like to be real practical in how you live this out? So I want to share one, one last quick thing, thing with you, and this is going to be um, participatory. I got it again. That's a hard word for me. So this is going to be participatory. So I need to, I need to hear some things. So here's, here's what it is. Can I grab one of those? I think those work a little bit better. Thank you. So we're going back to um, the caterpillar and the butterfly. All right, so, so let's go back and let's picture, picture those, or maybe we can see, see the pictures again up, up there. So this is a simple tool. It's an identity tool. So I want you to actually, if you have paper and a pen, you can take notes right with me because I'm going to encourage you to share this with one person. Maybe write one person's name on, as, as you're taking notes. Share this with one person th- this week. This is just a tool to remind us who, who, who we are. So, write on your um, caterpillar and butterfly up at the top. And then we're going to use the, the letters realm. R-E-A-L-M. On both sides. And we're going to look at different identifying pieces of both the caterpillar and the butterfly. So the R, the R stands for reproduce. And it's really a a question. So does the caterpillar reproduce? Does anybody know? Aiden, got it. Nailed it. You were in the first service, weren't you? No. The caterpillar does not reproduce. A caterpillar, they cannot reproduce. Does a butterfly reproduce? Yes. So a butterfly does reproduce. All right, the E stands for eat. What does a caterpillar eat? Leaves. What does the butterfly eat? Nectar. She knows her science. I didn't know any of this before I studied this. I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> this is really cool. Again, just a beautiful picture of, of how God uses creation for us to see bigger things. So, so uh, butterfly eats nectar. Um, action. So how, how does, um, uh, so th- this is going to be a harder one. Um, so the action, I'll just give you the answer. The action that a cater- caterpillar does is destroy. Caterpillar eats leaves. Farmers hate caterpillars. They ruin crops. They, they, de- they do a lot of destructive action. 
Does anybody know the action of the butterfly? What the butterfly does? It pollinates. It gives life. It actually acts like a bee. And it, it takes nectar from a flower and pollinates other flowers and it helps life. So it, so it gives life. The L stands for looks. Now this is just be, being mean to, to caterpillars, but we all know the answer. What does a caterpillar look? You saw the picture. It's ugly. All right, caterpillars are ugly. Some don't look that ugly, but for the sake of this, we're saying caterpillars are ugly. At least that one. That's nasty. What about the butterfly? What do most butterflies look like? Beautiful, right? And then how do they move? How does a caterpillar move? It crawls. And then how does a butterfly move? It flies. Now this is, this is just a cool look at a caterpillar and a butterfly. Same DNA, same animal, two totally different identities, right? So, so, so think, of, think about this. How ridiculous would it be, how weird would it be if a butterfly thought it was a caterpillar and acted like a caterpillar? Like, think about that. How ridiculous is that? But let's also think about this. How ridiculous is it when a believer in Jesus still acts like they're a sinner? When our identity, when our identity is not in Jesus, when it's in something else. So in Christ, remember this, in Christ, we are a new creation. In Christ, we are ambassadors. Our identity drives our actions. Are you living today like who you are? Are you living out your identity today in Christ?